1: me included. I'm trying to get back on track after football season, eating better, exercising, all of that. And it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients helps to support gut health, the nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's lifestyle-friendly, adopting to a wide range of diets. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals or artificial anything. Plus, it costs less than $3 a day. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially during cold and flu season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash drink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash drink to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance
2: Hey, Ralph, Ralphie, Andrew, and Dave. All right, I got got a little intel.
1: Your Saints Happy Hour podcast? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's a joke, all right? And I'll tell you what. You, Ralph, you mispronounce everything, okay? I listen, I go, what the?
2: Does he not know the English language? All right, Ralph. Try to get an English class in there every now and then, okay, pal? Now, Andrew! Think you're smart, huh? Think you're smart? Get are in big trouble, pal. He's a shit like you for breakfast. And then, of course, there's Dave. Dave, a little obnoxious. Got a little bit of a chip on your shoulder, huh? You got to cut people down all the time. Is that what you got to do? But uh, know that life is good. Appreciate it. Do what you do. Keep on keeping on. Shooter! Out! <laughs>
1: everybody welcome to another edition of saints happy hour podcast we have a incredibly special episode i'm really excited for this one uh andrew we got uh, a dm from this guy he everybody knows him. he's mike neighbors uh he's interviewed breeze over the years he's been on cst he's done a ton of saints stuff. he works for the saints he does the uh, errands on the Saints website where you see him where he goes on with players to, to run errands. He did with Jim Moore. It was amazing. But he reached out to us because he, he has a an, an incredible, uh, incredible book, uh, the, Breeze, the Breeze Way. And he said, Hey guys, would you like to, to see the book early and we can talk about it? And Mike, thanks for joining us. I just want to say right off it is an amazing time because I remember when I was a kid, there was one Saints book. Houdat History. That was it. Like, they didn't have no other Saints books, man. That was the book, and you just read it over and over again, and it it did the Saints history up to, like, 1991, and that was it. Wayne Mack did it. They didn't have any other Saints books. Now, because the Saints of these last 15, 16 years with Breeze and Peyton, like, people can write books, and they can – be successful and they can make money and it's it's a great time and I just hope Saints fans appreciate it that like they have a bunch of great books and yours is one of the latest ones and this book people should buy it go we got a link in the in the podcast that you can click on it you can get you can go to amazon you can buy it you can get even a signed copy from mike it's a great book for like a vacation submarine it's not long and it's got a bunch of great stuff in there that i think people don't know about and it's it's just a, i read it in like two days it's a great little book it reads great uh but thanks for joining us mike we're super excited to talk to you about this book
2: I'm a big fan of uh, what you guys do. I appreciate the time a great deal. And you you mentioned I'm teaching now in college and and there's so much negativity about the business now, Mm -hmm. but I think a good side of the business is podcasts, um, the chances to do things are greater than when I came out of school for younger people, really of all ages. So uh, the book to me, the motivation for me was obviously my experiences with Drew, but I didn't want to look back. Ralph and Andrew years from now and say, man, I wish I would have done it You know, right when he retired, because mm-hmm. let's face it, breeze will always be huge in new Orleans, but right now, a lot of what I wrote about is new, it's fresh. It's about broadcasting. It's relevant. So I didn't want to waste the opportunity. Well, Mike, I uh, really enjoyed
0: your book as well. It's incredible. And like Ralph said, it's about 150 pages. You can, you can't put it down once you start. If you're a saints fan, you'll knock that out in half a day and, uh, and, and be better off for it. So uh, we highly recommend it, but Mike, I I, I want to start here where how you landed this this relationship with Drew, and that this is the part that's just look. You, you have a you've had a storied career, and uh, you've you've obviously accomplished a lot. So in no way am I trying to diminish you, but a lot of at times you know in life things come down to luck and sheer sure. chance and, and happenstance, and you know striking while the iron's hot when you have that opportunity. And uh, I just found it fascinating that you kind of talk about in your book where. You're, at a, you're in uh, San Diego and you catch wind of Drew Brees's someone that he's related to their number and you write it down on your hand and you call that number, you set up an appointment, and you, this deal basically lands in your lap. And at the time you're thinking, hey, this might be great for a year. And little did you know, it would end up being a 16-year relationship after every single game. Some of them monumental games in Saints history – and you were right there to be able to get his thoughts after every single one. So just curious if you can talk a little bit about how that all came together and then how 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 you how you feel on the other side of it now.
2: Obviously, having no clue how it would all transpire. Well, first of all, when Breeze retired, everybody thought my career was over. Like, are you gonna even do anything <laughs> anymore? This is this it for you. And I, I, I you know, I said no. I remember driving to the airport and uh, one of the radio stations, they're like, what's neighbors going to do breeze. He's not going to have interviews. He I mean, was actually on the radio. I was, I was just laughing in my car, but it all started with um, I did an interview with him in Orlando. It was right after that pro bowl injury after his, you know, the 06 season. And he was doing an appearance at Disney world and I live in Tampa. So I just went over there with the crew and it was just, uh, it was just my crew and ESPNs and drew did our interview. Then he wrapped up with ESPN and usually I have a pen in my hand or whatever. And he said, He said to the producer, if you ever need me, and then I just grabbed the Sharpie out of my photographer's hand, wrote the number down that he told the ESPN producer. I didn't know Drew well enough at that point. uh, And I didn't really think that I would need him because I was doing a documentary on Reggie Bush the next week. Mm -hmm. Um, So it just kind of was reactionary. I just grabbed it, wrote the number down. And the funny thing is I'm in San Diego the next week doing a documentary on Reggie Bush. The number that I have, is Drew Brees' marketing agent who lives in San Diego. So I had you know, contacted him, uh, told him I was going to be in San Diego. We were just wrapping up the documentary with Reggie Bush. He calls me in my hotel room, and he said, Mike, great to hear from you. Chris Stewart's his name. And he said, you know, I represent a lot of Major League Baseball players. I see you work for a cable network, and you know, I work for Cox Sports Television. We do a lot of similar partnerships where you know we bring in the baseball player maybe their wife and the player review movies it's a good partnership would you be interested in bringing breeze to your network i almost dropped my cell phone i (laughs) I said absolutely let's do it so i connected chris to my bosses and i didn't really know what would come of it but what came of it is you know breeze would do his interviews on the podium he would either come to me before or afterwards and we did it for a year i thought you know what this is great maybe we'll do it for a year But as you mentioned, we didn't do it in 06, but we did it for 14 of his 15 years in New Orleans. And I didn't know this until recently, because I thought in the middle, maybe he signed a three-year deal. He signed a one-year deal every year for 14 years. So it's crazy how it worked out. We did an in-studio extensive uh, interview Mm -hmm. during the season, which is a big part of the book, the material I got from those interviews. So all told, nearly 300 one-on-one interviews. So as I mentioned, when he retired, I thought, I have all this material. I need to put it to use, and I think Saints fans would appreciate it.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the, the one interesting thing, a, a lot of interesting things in the book, but the first thing that really struck me was you sort of laid out his competitiveness. And we all know it. Like, they, there's famous stories, and you have a, a bunch of them in the book about the ping pong with, with Zach Streep. But the, the, the thing that really struck me is through all of it, Breeze said, you know, I'm super competitive. But the main thing I never wanted to do was I never wanted to play angry. And I think that's a great point when you look at like a Baker Mayfield who's kind of the same quarterback, right? He's short, he, he won the Heisman, but he always plays angry and his teammates seem not to like him. Cleveland moved on for Deshaun Watson, which is, wow, we won't get into that. But I always thought Drew Brees had this – Incredible way of – you knew he was super competitive and you knew he had this chip on his shoulder. But in, whenever he would succeed, he was never like, ha ah, see that? I, and lord and it over people. It was like, how about that? Drew Brees succeeded again, the short guy. Like, And just his leadership, and that was an incredible moment to me. Can you sort of dive into that?
2: You know, I think part of that, Sean Payton, really. Uh, Sean Payton, even though he's animated on the sidelines, um, I think a big thing he passes on to his players is – the art of body language. Don't mm-hmm. let the opponent know whether you're too high or too low. And I think there was a lot of that in Breeze before he got to New Orleans. But I think Sean Payton really uh, metamorphosized that, for lack mm-hmm. of a better word, and kind of energized that within Drew. And then Drew passed that on to the team. To your point, though, Ralph, I thought a really interesting thing about Drew Brees, and I've never been a Tom Brady hater. I have a great appreciation mm-hmm. for Tom Brady. But one thing I have never really liked about Tom Brady is I think he's a bad loser. You know, often when he loses, doesn't Mm -hmm. shake the quarterback's hand, just walks off the field, is short with the media, may answer 13 questions in about a minute and a half. I get you're competitive. But Tom Brady, Breeze is every bit as as competitive as you are. Never did that. Was always a good loser in terms of being a good sportsman uh, after a game. And I saw that firsthand because, frankly, on so many record-breaking nights for the Saints guys, Breeze was better after a loss because he knew he was the leader of that football team and his weight carried as Sean Payton's weight carry. I mean, Sean Payton, interview-wise, was always better after a loss, Sands maybe the Titans game this year, where I, at that point, he was really fired up. And I thought, <laughs> there's something different yeah. about Payton this year, uh, looking back. But but most of the time, Payton was better after a loss. All the time, Drew Brees was better after a loss. So I think there's something to be said for that. I, I just, it's rare to see a quarterback of his magnitude always be that accessible. I mean, I know a lot of people who yeah, sure. cover Dan Marino in Miami, And he was tough to cover. He really was. It was fun seeing Mark Brunel as a backup quarterback in New Orleans because I was in Jacksonville during Mark Brunel's heyday. Mark Brunel's not a big fan of the media. So it was funny seeing Brunel as a backup and, you know, not having to, you know, address the media like he did in Jacksonville. So I guess the reason I'm giving those examples, Breeze was an outlier in terms of how he dealt with conflict, whether it was between the lines or after a game.
0: Mike, what do you attribute? So obviously at any point Breeze could have said, Hey, this is annoying. I don't want to do this anymore, or I want to work with someone else or whatever. But what, what do you attribute your relationship with him and being able to sustain that over 14 years and deliver such great moments year after year after year? And like you said, these tremendous interviews where sometimes it was after a loss and he would just give you amazing sound bites um what do you think it, your relationship with him why do you think it was so successful
2: that's a good question I I, I wish I could hear his answer to that but I'm going to guess because I know my bosses have told me this because they told me how the negotiations would go every year I think it was mutual respect I, I think I respected the fact that I know he's going to answer the questions but there's kind of a line and I'm going to ask him the tough question but I'm not going to cross that line of pushing the envelope too much mm-hmm. because you know I think that the the art of asking questions. And I try to teach this to my students mm-hmm. now is when you're around somebody, you know, after a while, what they're going to give you. Yeah. It's almost like an attorney. The great attorneys will say, never ask a question. Mm-hmm. You don't know mm-hmm. the answer to well in reporting, you know, after a while, what you can get away with, with an athlete, what their temperament is and all that. So I felt with Drew, mm-hmm. if it was a tough situation, I got to ask him the question and I may ask a follow-up, but I'm like, not- going to cross that line. And I think that's why it worked with us. Uh, you know, people ask me all the time, are, are you and Drew Brees best buddies? No, <laughs> uh, I think it's mutual respect professionally. Yeah. I mean, we don't go play golf together. He's not calling me this weekend. Um, But I feel like the relationship is good. I, I feel like if I saw him at any time, it would be very good. And and uh, I have great respect for him. And I, I think he respects me because of of the way we uh, handled that situation for so long after so many highs and, and so many lows.
1: Yeah, it was. A, that's a great point you make. And I I remember Mike Greenberg had had said this. One, I think it was one time where ESPN, they had Bill Belichick. And I think it was right around the flake gate. And he was scheduled right. to come on like before it all broke. And they didn't really ask him anything about it. And and people got mad at him after. And he's like, listen, we got Bill Belichick. We want were, we were to talk about the, the top 100 players or whatever it was on the NFL. And he wanted to talk about that. And he said, if I ask him about Deflategate, he's going to turn into Bill Belichick at the press conference. I want him to be engaging. I want him to give us the best interview possible. So I didn't ask him that. And he's like, we're a morning show. We're not the news. We're not going to interrogate people. That's not what we do here. And I thought that was a really interesting answer on how to do interviews. And, like, every interview is not the same. You know, you're not Dan Rather for 60 minutes, right? So I think that's incredible that you got these these." these really heartfelt things after him because listen after 2009 the losses for the Saints were brutal 2011 yeah. 2017 2018 and he sort of you had this way with him in this book of like he kind of i wouldn't say like he kind of spilled his guts as far as like football like the 2017 stuff that he said after is just incredible about how he loved the team and he he had never had so much fun playing with a group of guys. And I won't get into it because I want people to buy your book. But it just, how you did it, I think, is incredible. And it made this book really fascinating. It has a bunch of stuff from Breeze, especially these these after-games interviews, these losses that are so bad for Saints fans, that he just sort of walked you
2: through it, all of it. I think, you know, we're still journalists and we always have to mention the elephant in the room. But when I wrote the book, I think what changed about it is I had an agent, frankly, that wanted me to produce some clickbait. I mean, think about mm-hmm. it. When you see a book come out, the first thing are the excerpts of the juicy stuff. And that's yeah. why you want to buy the book. Right. Um, I'm not going to call Drew up and ask him about the, the con, you know, the, um, the national anthem interview and all that. You know, I, I knew by the time that rolled around and in season, um, that wasn't my job. Now, if. I wouldn't shy away from those questions if that would have been midseason, you know. I think we always ask mm-hmm. the tough questions. It's a how you ask them, and it's b um, the follow-up approach too, because we never shied away from the issues. I mean, you go back to Bounty Gate. I mean, we did the whole year without Sean Payton, and it goes back to the one-year contracts every year. I'm thinking, is Breeze going to want to do this without Sean Payton? <laughs> and it was never. He just kept going year after year after year. I think the really the fun part was the pandemic years, because we thought, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen now? We can't do one-on-ones. we got to do the Zoom. How is this going to work with the protocol with the Saints? Some of the best interviews I've done with Breeze were during the pandemic. The one that really stands out was when he got hurt and Taysom Hill came in and played great against the Falcons in the Superdome. We usually got Breeze outside the locker room after the game, but the PR guys told me I'm up in the press box, and they said, is it okay if Drew does this one from home? I was so excited. I'm like, yeah, this will be different. It'll be great. So Drew comes up, it's a little bit later. And this is in the book. He has his laptop and he's in his kitchen. And I just looked at him. We're talking about the game. Well, Taysom played great, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, are we going to do this in the kitchen? And this is typical breeze. Oh, this isn't okay. I said, no, (laughs) no, it's fine. So he goes into his living room to have a better background with a nice lamp and couch and then it was almost a Norman Rockwell-like situation. I'm, getting, I'm showing my age here, and so at that point you hear Brittany, his wife, in the background because the kids are playing. Ah, oh, daddy's on TV, guys, keep it down a little bit. And then he's answering the questions. And then at the end, his dog jumps in his lap like it was choreographed or something. So. I mean, we did Christmas and I'm wearing a goofy sweater. and He's making fun of it. We did the next week. It was funny. He did it in his office to get, you know, his kids wouldn't be in the way that game in Denver, the crazy pandemic game. So whether it was the pandemic, whether it was Bounty Gate, whether it was the, the three straight losing seasons before the great 2017 draft class. I mean, we went through the, the highs and the lows and and it's an experience when I had the Sharpie and wrote the number on my hand. <laughs> Never thought it would last that long, guys. Never thought I would write a book about this. That's so right. it's been a fun experience. That's yeah, the butterfly effect, man. It's uh, If you had not written that number on your hand,
0: who knows, right, how that all would have played out. Tons of people take a
1: multivitamin, me included. I'm trying to get back on track after football season, eating better, exercising, all of that. And it's important to choose one that is top With one delicious scoop of athletic greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients helps to support gut health, the nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's lifestyle-friendly, adopting to a wide range of diets. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. today.
0: I want to get into the psychology of Breeze a little bit because you talk about this in your book and I find it fascinating. And what, what really stands out to me is he's a guy right where everything is accounted for. He's got his schedule detailed down to the 10 minutes of every, every single 10 minutes are itemized throughout his day. And I think when you ha- live a life like that, which is obviously very unique, um, there, there's, it would be normal to be really robotic yeah. And I feel like there's a moment in your book where you talk about Breeze coming back to San Diego for the first time. And he has this introspective moment that you write about in your book. And there's amazing quotes in it from Breeze about what it felt like in that moment to be back in San Diego, the place where he felt like he had an injury. And last time he played there, he he, he felt like he may never play again because of the shoulder injury that he had. And everything that had transpired over the time since that injury and when he between and when he came back. And anyway, I, I won't spoil it for people. Again, you should buy the book because it, it's an incredible moment in the book where he really starts to talk about what that meant to him. And you really feel in that moment, wow, Breeze is an incredibly introspective guy mm-hmm. that, that feels things. and and, he, and the moment is never lost on him, even though he has these itemized 10 minute, almost a robotic schedule so to speak how does he do that mike like uh, to me that's you read your book and it just stands out as the most
2: unique thing that humans shouldn't be capable of first off i appreciate you guys reading the book because i've promoted this to different outlets and and they've talked (laughs) about it but it's great that you read it so it really it really makes me appreciate this interview even more but um drew Brees, to me is a very private guy You know, family is very important to him. His inner circle is very important to him. He's also a very sensitive guy and he cares about what people think. And if anything is more indicative of that, it's after those hot training camp practices where he signs everything. He signs Mm -hmm. every autograph till the end. It means something to him, the relationship with the fans. And I know I sound like a homer when I say that, Mm -hmm. but man, that's just the truth covering him after all these years. And, and I think the great thing about, and I'll get to your point, but, And I've always maintained this in reporting. The key to reporting is access. And part of access is one-on-one interviews. And a lot of times these athletes get up, and I always prefer Breeze talking in the press conference first before he came to me. That way, you know, he says something, then he can kind of refine it with us or maybe Mm -hmm. expound on it a little bit. If he's us first, then he kind of goes the other way. So selfishly, I always like that. But I always felt like Drew... Um, he was really honest about, you know, some people will say, oh, it's not a big deal to play my former team, or it's not a big deal to play this or that or a former player. He was always honest about it. Like this means a lot to me. It was sincere. And to his schedule, Andrew, that really became apparent when he had children because his schedule was so regimented and all of a sudden he has one kid, then two, three, and then four. And his schedule really had to be strict because of what it was before. And now he has four children. So when we first met, he didn't have any kids. And then when he, you know, we stopped doing this, he had four. So it's rare that a quarterback plays that long with one football team. And it's so rare to see the evolution of a player. You really basically see him grow up. So just looking back, uh, I think I had even greater appreciation for the relationship when I wrote the book, because a real turning point in the book for me was Doug Flutie because mm-hmm. I was initially just going to make it about the interviews I had with Drew, but I wanted somebody to introduce it, somebody that meant a lot to Drew. And I remember asking him during one of our interviews, you know how competitive he is. Who maybe is more competitive than you? Without hesitation, he said Doug Flutie. So I always remembered that. Hmm. And I live in Tampa and Doug Flutie, you know, lives in Melbourne, Florida, which is on the East Coast. And I had his agents contact. She didn't get back to me, but I used to grow, I grew up on that side of the state. And I had a friend of a friend who knew Flutie. We started texting. He's playing in in, an adult baseball league in Melbourne, Florida. And he said, come before the game, and I'll talk to you about Drew. And then maybe if you don't get enough, we can talk between innings. And so selfishly, again, we talk before the game, a monsoon comes down. (laughs) And we just talk about Drew. The game is canceled. We talk about Drew in the dugout for an hour and a half. He agrees to write the forward. And for me – that sent the book on a different level because i thought it's bigger than just breeze and eyes interviews then i had linked the interviews with zach street deuce mcallister scott shanley lance moore roman harper and i think a lot of the stories there are stories saints fans maybe have heard of but some of them they haven't heard of and that made the book better, I think.
1: Yeah, I, yeah just,
2: I I have to say
0: the story about Lance Moore tooling on Breeze about the big helmet. That was one I had never yeah. heard before, and that was okay. that, that's a treat. You, if if you're a Saints fan, yeah. you got to read the book for yeah, that. Yeah, and, uh, and
1: and and uh, Breeze <laughs> kind of gets back at him with a nickname that we won't that that, that Lance only <laughs> let
2: Breeze uh, right.
1: use, but we won't we won't spoil it. The one he thing almost is, kicked
2: my ass when I said that to Lance. By the way, he wanted to kick my ass <laughs> when I said that to him. Saying, yeah.
1: So, they have. The one story that that really kind of hit me and got like got me real emotional, Mike, was in the book was the 2011 the Monday night game against Atlanta. We're all like, Breeze is going to break the Marino record. He's going to shatter this record. And he's like, Yeah, I'm signing autographs. But you know, he, he does his he does his throwing before the game. Then he signs autographs. And he's like, A little kid came up to me and was like, Yeah, I came to see you break the record tonight. And Drew talked to you about how it like hit him. And he's like made him feel like a kid again and like how he had followed all his favorite athletes. And like, this was a big moment for him. And he's like, yeah, well, I guess the kid said, we're going to break the record and we got to break the record. And I was just like, that is, it's so cool. But like in this huge moment where this record, like for him to not be, as Andrew said, robotic and, and he's introspective for him to let that hit him like you know hour a couple hours before the game let it hit him and then be like okay we're moving on like to me that was just an amazing story about him just how, how much he cares about New Orleans but also just how he's able to just put it all together and keep on going was just it it's just it was just my favorite my favorite little tidbit from the book
2: it's interesting what people get out of it Ralph because uh that's one of my favorites too and a lot of times I'll hear my FB as we wait for, for breeze especially after the primetime games because we get to hear it live everything's live you know the other ones they're taped and we send it back to the studio but I'll hear his press conferences before he comes out to me and I'm competitive you know we want we want fresh content different <laughs> stuff than he gives in the in the post game and we I remember there was a point we stood up for a while Then I, I wanted to get a stool. It's funny. We had these stools that the engineers have in the Superdome. I think they're still there right now. They keep year round and we pick them up when we do post-game shows. But we, we were standing up then. And when he was telling that story, Ralph, he almost cried. Mm-hmm. He was getting choked up talking about it. And that goes back to what Andrew was saying, that he was very always honest about what a moment or what a mm-hmm. situation, or in the case of San Diego, what a homecoming meant to him. And, you know, he's a very sensitive guy. I mean, he I know he's he's a leader of the football team. He's a tough guy, but he's a a private guy, but he's very sensitive, too. And I thought that story is one of my favorites. And it really brought out the sensitive side of Breeze in a lot of ways. Yeah,
0: well, it's called The Breeze Way. And again, definitely go check it out. Mike Neighbors uh, writes an incredible book here. And I I will say there's a segment in this book. And again, we won't spoil it. This is probably my favorite part is where. You mentioned Breeze is really private. You mentioned that he doesn't really share much of himself, but I'll brag on you a little bit, Mike. And I feel like you've unearthed a lot of private moments for him and a lot of, mm-hmm. of an inside win- window or, uh, you know, a look behind the curtain, if you will, into his, his personality, his private life. And he shares a lot of that with you. You were able to unearth a lot of that. And there's a segment that's kind of like rapid fire questions that you sent to him where he kind of quickly uh, gives his thoughts and, you know, you, you you not only is he, he does he share a lot, but he, you, you realize that he's really witty and he's smart and mm-hmm. he can be kind of funny. And uh, that's a window of insight into his personality that I think a lot of people don't see. Uh, so it's great. Mike, I want to ask you about just the Saints now um, and just kind of uh, just as an analyst or just as someone who, who's followed the team, who's, who's interviewed players, who's been around the team. How do you feel about the state of the Saints this offseason? I just want to get your quick take. It's been a little strange. You lose Marcus Williams. You lose Teron Armstead. We're in limbo a little bit. They they try to go all in for Deshaun Watson. They lose out on him. So now Jameis Winston's back. Uh, How do you feel right now about the state of the team with Dennis Allen now heading as head coach?
2: You got to love the defense, right? I mean, you know the defense is going to be really good. The bulk of that's coming back. You hate to lose Marcus Williams. You're going to lose somebody, especially with the cap situation that this team is in. It's remarkable. I know you guys have talked about it on this podcast, how it's, uh, (laughs) it's it's the groundhog day, man. All the Saints are in Capel. (laughs) Oh, they're okay. Uh, We're going to, we're going to make it work somehow, but then we go to the offense and, you know, I understand them not keeping Armstead. One thing I respect about the Saints front office is they got the number. If they don't meet the number, ask Mark Ingram, you know, you're going to lose some of these guys and that's how it goes. Uh, Jameis Winston, I've covered him a long time. And you talk about Groundhog Day. I mean, man, how many times are we going to say it? Is this the year? Is this the year he's going to become the NFL player everybody hoped he would be? I covered him every year in Tampa. That's where I live, along with covering the Saints. And there's no doubt, there's a there's a few certainties about Jameis Winston. He's popular in the locker room, he works his butt off. But once the you know, everything starts between the lines, can he be consistent? No Sean Payton. I mean, I thought the biggest loser when Sean Payton retired was maybe Taysom Hill, but right behind him was Jameis Winston Mm -hmm. because he had spent that time with him for two years, and he made the smart move of learning behind Breeze and Sean Payton. I know Pete Carmichael's there, but, boy, I want to see how this works. And the big question for me is Alvin Kamara. What's going to happen in this situation? Because you get Michael Thomas back, guys, but how much time is Alvin Kamara going to miss? How severe is this case? We keep hearing bits and pieces of it. There's video, there's all this stuff. But it just seems like the Saints offense cannot get on track. They have the Michael Thomases, they have the Alvin Kamaras, they have the potential of Jameis Winston. They have a good offensive line. It was great with Armstead, but they still have some pieces there. I just think it's a lot like last year going into the season, a lot of potential, but with Kamara, man, a lot of question marks too.
1: It is a lot of question marks. The one thing I always say when people say, hey, be positive, Ralph. I say, well, they're in the NFC South, and the NFC South – yeah. is one Brady getting old, and then it can be just a pillow fight, right? You got Carolina, you got Atlanta. Atlanta might be – this might be the worst Atlanta team
2: of yeah. our entire
1: lives, Atlanta, Andrew. It This team could be a four-win team, so that's something to look forward to in 2022. My question to you is, what do you think – because you're around these – you've been around the Saints for with Breeze and, and around – what do you think – the difference is going to be one thing without Sean Payton, because I just, I think of like non football things of like, this is the way Sean wanted it. Right. Right. And now it's, this is the way Dennis wants it. It's not going to be exactly the same. What do you think is going, what's it going to feel like in that building? What can you, do you have a sense of what it's going to be? Or are you just like, I don't know until we, until Dennis is, is until I'm there and Dennis is in charge.
2: Well, Sean Payton, let's make no mistake. When he was there, he controlled the temperature of that building, 100%. Uh, he's the guy that came in when nobody wanted to be a part of the New Orleans Saints, and he was there. He wanted the Packers job, for crying out loud. He came in, mm-hmm. led him to the NFC Championship game. He did what he did for the better part of, uh, I guess we'll say, 15 years, because uh, the bounty year. But there was no doubt, you know, some organizations, the owner. Uh, you know, controls the temperature, the GM Sean Payne control the temperature. Um, Dennis Allen, I thought that was the perfect guy because it's not like this is a bad football team. You wanted mm-hmm. that continuity, especially the way the defense is playing. And Dennis Allen, let's face it, guys, we've been talking about this for years. I know you've been talking about it. He's a hot candidate around the NFL. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's a it's it's double positive for the Saints. They have the continuity and they have a good football coach, but yeah, he's gonna want to do things um his way. I love that Carmichael's still there. I think that's good for Jameis Winston. But I think in terms of a presence, I want to see the Dennis Allen presence because, boy, there was no mistaking the Sean Payton mm. presence where it was at a press conference. The Saints players will say in the locker room. I mean, I do a lot of of, of uh, broadcast with Scott Shanley, the former linebacker, and he tells me these Payton stories all the time. Man, you always knew who was in charge. And I'm not saying that won't be the case for Dennis Allen, but he's never been the Saints head coach. So, Ralph, you bring up a good point. It's a wait and see thing because if a if a man has mm-hmm. been there that long as Sean Payton was and had that much success and had the temperature of an organization as long as he did, it's going to be different. Will it be a good different? Well, maybe it's kind of for some people the air is out of the balloon. It's not as uptight. It's you know they can they can act a different yeah. way, but I think it's also good to be uptight sometimes because you always feel like you got to play at your best. I go back to my Jacksonville days again. I covered Tom Coughlin when he was just insane. Um, the media, we had to stand in a 10 yard box during practice. Uh, we couldn't wear sunglasses at practice some years. I mean, he, he was, he was Sean Payton times 10, but Sean Payton, you know, had control of things, maybe not to that degree in New Orleans, but he did. So not having a guy like that anymore, it's going to be a difference. How big a difference? Uh, we're about to find out.
1: Yeah. I just think it's interesting because how he's going to push, you know, Sean Payton used to, he used to always sort of know the buttons to push yeah. between games. Like, yeah. when, remember, they had the game, what was the game, Andrew, where Andres Pete played terrible? And he opened a press conference where he's like, Pete's got to play better. Pete's
0: got to play better, yeah. And
1: and we played the soundbite all the time. I wish I had it right now. But he just knew the right buttons to push. And the thing is, as a head coach, if you push the wrong buttons during the week and what it, look at the Giants, right? Joe Judge, he he's fighting with... He's fighting with assistant coaches and yep. it's chaos between games. Besides the X's and O's, that's probably a big reason why they failed because they had this chaos and he didn't know the right buttons to push. So that's what I'm interested in is like when the Saints – when they have a big win, when they have a hard loss, like the, the 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 temperature of the room that you talk about with Dennis Allen, it's going to be really interesting to see how he's responded because we sort of – we had this sort of comfort with Sean Payton. Like we me and Andrew could almost predict like, oh – this is how he's going to respond this week. This is what he's – and Andrew would always say, this is what he's going to do this week. And he was almost always right because we we have been around him so long. With Dennis Allen, you know, it's just – it's a whole new world.
2: I counted on my finger while you were talking. I think the Bucs had six different head coaches in the Sean Payton era. <laughs> and I live in Tampa. And when I used to go out there uh, to their complex during the week, they would look at me like a little kid at Christmas. H- how does it feel to cover a real <laughs> NFL team? Because we haven't <laughs> done that – in, in so many years, and now that she was on the other foot, boy, they are cockier than ever with Tom Brady. And now it's a trickle-down effect that the uh, the mm-hmm. Fournette stay and the you know Jansen stay and all that stuff. Um, but I think, to your point, Sean Payton, I mean, he was 4-1 and one against Tom Brady as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer quarterback. And that one loss was big, but, you know, a couple of things could have happened in that game where he easily could have been 5-0 and oh against Tom Brady. And I think a big part of that was mm-hmm. – he liked being the underdog. He liked hearing that it's Tom Brady. You know, we were the kings of the NFC, and all of a sudden, these guys are the kings? I mean, I don't know what the speeches were, but you knew it was something to that effect with Sean Payton. I always liked when this Saints team, especially since 2017 and really the Super Bowl run and and the 06 year and the years after the Super Bowl, that when they were underdogs, which was very rare, you always felt good with Sean Payton because you knew during the week, and I've heard the stories from Shanley, don't eat the cheese, you know, the gas tanks or the gas cans in the locker, you know, you need more gas this week, you know, whatever it was, he was going to get them up. Cause he loved being the underdog. And you really saw that recently against the bucks since they got Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. So uh, it'll be interesting to see the motivating uh, tactics that Dennis Allen has because uh, Sean Payton to me was a Parcells guy, but he was also his guy in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. He was different than Parcells too. So, it'll be interesting to see how Dennis Allen is different. Well, Mike, uh, I want to go
0: back to your book for a second. I do want to ask about Aaron's too, and, and have you tell everybody about that. But uh, quickly, just just uh, out of curiosity, you've been through the entire breeze Peyton era, and you've been there at every step. You've interviewed Breeze after the Minnesota miracle, after the no call, you've been through it all. I'm just curious if you can tell us in your opinion, when you were around Drew, what what moment stands out at the moment he was the happiest and mm-hmm. what moment stands out as when he was the most depressed?
2: Wow. I think he was the happiest when he broke the yardage record and his family was with him because I know it meant a lot. You saw it when they won the Super Bowl. He held Balin. And you never saw a quarterback really do that. You never saw a player really do that. I remember everybody's thinking, God, how cool is that? He's got the kids, got the headphones on and everything. I remember Breeze telling me before he was a dad, and this is funny that he's in broadcasting now, and you hear players say this all the time. Lance Moore said this in our Aaron segment that we can talk about it. I think a big regret a lot of players have when they retire is, man, I wish my kids could have seen me play, especially during big moments. So when Breeze broke the yardage record, Uh, Peyton Manning's record that was a big deal man and then the fact that his kids were on the field and it was daughters young but to some degree they'll see video of that and they'll remember that and I remember that night his three boys who we always see like tackling each other on the sidelines of the Pro Bowl and just running crazy everywhere they were so well behaved behind the camera looking at their dad with such admiration and how proud they were of him and then I said, let's bring on the boys. They behaved tonight. And it was way past their bedtime. And then once they got on camera, they're kind of hamming it up a little bit. And you could see the the look on Drew's face that, man, this is what it's all about. This is this is what I wanted. You know, when I hurt my shoulder in San Diego, I didn't have any kids. Lord knows I didn't think I'd play this long. And I definitely didn't think I'd have a moment like tonight where I would become the NFL's all-time, you know, leading uh, uh, passer. So that's definitely it. You know, it's tough, the, the toughest moment, because – I, he was so good during those moments. He kept the brave face, but I remember there was an Atlanta loss. I think it was a Thursday night game and he didn't play his best game and it was a game that they could have won. And, um, it was on the road and he was, he always answered every question. He was never short with me. That was another thing that I was that the game that touchdown
1: streak ended.
2: I was going to bring that up. (laughs) And, uh, I'll just say this now because I love the competitor, Drew. He said this to me off the record, but I'll say it. Um, I told Drew, I said, this is what I love about Breeze, man. I said, the one record I think you're going to have for a long time, and this was before this season when Brady broke the touchdown record of his. I said, the one record I think you're going to have for a while is the consecutive games with the touchdown pass because some, there's some luck that plays into that. There's some timing that plays into that. And um, I think he thinks Mahomes will eventually break that. But he also looked at me and he said, you know what, though? That Thursday game, I should have hit sprawls on that little out pass. Because if I would have done that, I would have had like 20 more games on top That's of right. it. You know, <laughs> it breaks it down. Like, Yeah, he remembers, he remembers everything. So, yeah, I think that night, the loss. That was on the final drive of the game. Absolutely. It could, yep. have, it could have won the game. It could have extended the record. So, off the top of my head, I remember he was great with me after the game, as he always is after a loss. But there was a little more um, discouraging demeanor to him that night than usual, I would say. yeah. Yeah. So, Mike, we can't thank you enough for joining us. And the one thing I
1: want to say about this book is there's so many tidbits in it about leadership and about – you don't need to know X's and O's, but these things about Breeze that Andrew always tells me about, like, what matters in a quarterback. And I'm just reading this and I'm like, how he – Helps the offensive line, and if they don't understand it, he does it so they understand it, not so he understands It's like all these little things that you 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 get to that are just amazing tidbits, and it's Streif talking about it and Shanley. So, guys, we can't recommend getting this book enough. The link is in the description of this podcast. Well, let's
0: talk about Aaron's real quick. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Can you, Mike? Can you tell us? Uh, just give us a little uh, insight. You can go to the Saints website and you. You have some really hilarious moments with Jim Mora and I know you just, uh, you have some other former players that are coming up and some current players that you're going to be doing. If the Jim Mora one stuff.
1: doesn't win, a, win an Emmy. There's something wrong. <laughs> oh, we're going to
2: try You know, uh, my favorite one before that was Roman Harper's and Joe Horns is pretty good too. Uh, Joe Horns, Joe Horns was funny because just so your audience knows we started this uh, three years ago where this is before the pandemic guys, where the reason I got in the business is I love relationships and to me, that's a big part of why I love my job. And because of social media, we don't get to know athletes as well anymore. So we started a segment called errands where we get former Saints players, where I'll tell you about the current players we're gonna have now, but we get them in a car, they pick out three errands. We do interviews in the car. We really get to know them better, but we get out of the car and run errands with them. The first one we did was with Joe Horn. We were outside the Superdome. We had no game plan. He had just shot a Bud Light commercial And I said, well, why don't we go in the Superdome and reenact the cell phone celebration? He goes, you know what? I just shot a Bud Bud Light commercial, and they have a flip phone. So we had a Saints employee bring us a flip phone. We went in the Superdome. And Joe Horn hadn't been in the Superdome in over 10 years. He starts reenacting it. Then we start talking about it, and he got choked up because it really meant a lot for him, the whole Saints experience especially around Katrina when he was talking about those days. So we get to know former Saints players. We've done 21 of them. And this past weekend, we did one with Willie Rofe at his home in Florida. I was hoping Willie would fit in my car. And the the funny line I had with Willie Rofe was uh Willie, how much did you weigh when you were born? Because I'm not a big guy, but I always brag about this. I was 10 and a half pounds when I was born. Willie Rofe was nine pounds. So I said Willie, at one point in my life I was bigger than you. And he looked at me and he said, you know what? That didn't take long for me to pass you, though. <laughs> <laughs> I never looked back. And now we're transferring to current players. We're the Saints fans. You got to check this out. And as Andrew said, if you want to look at past episodes, just go to YouTube, go Saints and Aarons. Or, you know, I think that's the easiest way because that'll drive. Uh, all, mm-hmm. It's on all their platforms when they come out. But we've done Deuce, Colston, Roman Harper, uh, Morton Anderson. We did Archie Manning, both of those during the pandemic. But uh, now we're going to do current players. And, guys, I just spent two hours with uh, C.D. Deuce. Yes. And we opened it in front of a Tom Brady billboard in Tampa where he uh, bowed up to me like I was Tom Brady. So we had fun with that. Uh, He has a Rolls-Royce. He let me ride uh, in the back. He actually doesn't drive. He had a driver. That was one of the errands. He showed me his car, and he's a big gamer. He had a gaming experience. So we get to know Saints players uh cd deuce explains his nickname really explains why he's so confident that's the goal to get to know these guys because mm-hmm. of social media and then the pandemic we don't get one-on-one time with these guys anymore so yeah. we're gonna do cam jordan we're gonna do current and former players so uh so check it out
1: it's so great and and, and guys like i said buy this book it's, it's 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 amazing if you want to know the deeper into drew breeze it's it's great and uh I read it I'll prob- I'll probably read it I'll probably reread it again I reread I reread all these Saints books I, I this is the golden this is the golden age of, 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 of Saints written material you should enjoy it and Mike we can't appreciate you enough you gave us way more time than we asked for so guy thanks a bunch and we'll talk to you during the we're gonna talk to you during the year uh, because this That's this football. year of the Saints football is new and different and uh, we're gonna get your perspective later on down the line.
2: You know what? I've never met you guys until now. I've been a big fan of you on Twitter, so I'm glad Twitter brought us together, man. It's a beautiful thing. All right, guys. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Mike. (laughs) See you guys tomorrow.
1: Saints Happy Hour needs your support so we can keep giving you the Saints coverage you love. Become a patron to help us keep giving you the best daily Saints podcast on earth. Supporting Saints Happy Hour gives you the best Saints podcast every day without any stupid ads or promos like this one. And patrons also get access to our private Discord channel where you can talk Saints 24 7, early access to podcast episodes, our world famous booze bundle with four amazing swag items. So do it. Go to saintshappyhour.com and sign up today. That's saintshappyhour.com. There are
0: some things that are too good to keep a secret.